Welcome to the podcast edition of Dream Talk Radio. I'm your host, Anne Hill, and every week I explore topics related to dreams, sleep, health, culture, and consciousness. Dream Talk Radio airs every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific Time on KOWS 107.3 FM in Occidental, California. And you can catch the live stream at www.kows.fm. To find out more about Dream Talk Radio, visit my website at anhill.org. That's A-N-N-E-H-I-L-L dot org. Meanwhile, I hope you enjoy this edition of Dream Talk Radio. All right. I'm talking today with Jeremy and Kathy Taylor. Uh, Jeremy and Kathy, how long have you guys been together? Like 45 years. 45 years. Both of you are dream workers. Mm -hmm. Kathy, you work more with with art, Mm -hmm. with dreams. And Jeremy, you are... The guy, you are the the missionary of dreams Mm -hmm. for the last many years in your ministry. Yes. Yes, my focus has been on democratizing dream work and taking it out of the ghetto of the therapist's office and returning it to the level of conversation among friends. Yes, and... Which you've done with amazing success over the decades. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I wanted to do in, in talking to both of you together is to talk about couples dreaming. Because I know that dreams have been part of your, you know, that, that's been sort of a, a major thing that you've both been able to develop your ideas around dreams and so forth is in in sharing dreams together. And so I wanted to just kind of talk to you about, maybe get some stories about that and ask you some questions that, that I get asked a lot about. For instance, why am I dreaming about my ex? Or why am I dreaming about Tom Cruise? Or why am I, you know, all of those sort of relationship questions within dreams. So just so both things, so the dynamics of working on dreams as a couple and then these whole other little people that crop up in our dreams. So welcome to Dream Talk Radio. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Do you want to say something about the years that we've been sharing dreams together? Uh, I will, but you can go ahead first. Okay. Uh, I was hoping that Kathy would speak first, but she and I have had occasion over the decades to look each other in the eye and say it's always impossible to say what would have happened if but we've both had the thought that if we had not had this view of each other's unconscious lives and the distant early warnings that dreams give of trouble in relationship we might not even be together now that it is from my point of view at least an immensely valuable glue that has held the relationship together and has allowed us both to grow not always in the same direction Uh and still say committed to each other still say committed to the relationship Mm -hmm. so those distant early warnings you think that seems like the key yeah yeah i think i think that's true and of course The greatest problem is that the dreamer, although the dreamer is the only one who can say what the deeper meanings of his or her dreams may be, is in solitude inevitably going to be uniquely and selectively blind to what the dreams are saying. 
So working one's dreams with other people one-to-one, and I am a particular advocate of working in groups of more than one, more than one other interlocutor, is the simplest and most amusing and engaging way to see past the barrier of what I already know. Mm-hmm. Is the easiest thing for any dreamer to see are the levels at which the dreamer addresses what what the the, the, the dream addresses what the dreamer already knows, mm-hmm. and those levels are always there. I suspect for theoretical reasons that if they weren't there at all, the the dreamer wouldn't even be able to remember the dream. Right. So the fact that the dream is remembered means that there are these legitimate layers that address what the dreamer already knows. But in my experience, 40 plus years doing this work, that's never the point. The dream never comes just to tell the dreamer mm-hmm. what he or she already knows. And yet in solitude, that's the level that the dreamer invariably finds easiest to see. In my, in my comic book, I make the analogy to driving along a familiar road and what the dreamer already knows is like a billboard right next to the highway. Right. It's there, and you can read the sign, prejudices confirmed, <laughs> branches everywhere. Right. But it blocks the view of everything that's behind the billboard. Well, it seems like relationships are, are is a particularly useful place to use dreams because... I mean, you enter a relationship, as you know, particularly if you're if you get if you're in one very young and you don't know what you don't know. That's right. You just have your idea of what this is, and then there's this other person that seems to sort of fit into that idea, and it's this it, this it's this years long process of chipping away the mm-hmm. the parts of the idea of what you thought you were getting into and realizing, oh, okay, here I am with this other person now what or how do we move forward and so and so it's always i mean i in my opinion anyway there about 75 percent of relationship takes place in your blind spot absolutely you just you know because you're projecting like wild onto the other person yeah it's an important point i think to make to people projection is not something we do on purpose It happens unconsciously, like breathing or digesting the food we had for breakfast, or the body healing a cut. It is not subject to conscious will Mm. and direction. It happens. And so, to the extent that it is an unconscious process, it determines how we relate to the world. And one of Mm. the great gifts that dreams are always giving us is a laundry list of what we are projecting in that moment in our waking lives. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be modified once you actually understand how projection works, and it's the most important part of... uh, It's the strongest thing that has affected our relationship, I think. Oh, yes. Is understanding to what degree I project, you project, and Uh that it isn't the truth out there. It's only what the other person's truth is in the moment. That saved us a tremendous amount of time yeah. to understand that and to not hold each other accountable as monsters because their dreams portrayed me, his dream portrayed me in a way that I didn't like. Yes. It was just, quote, a dream uh, and something to be worked with. Yes. But said more about my partner than it said about me. Big, 
huge door mm-hmm. opening in relationship. Took blame out of it, yes. and vice versa. And moved it into into sowing seeds and growth in the right. in the farm fields and right. and not the the war ground. You know, we yes. were not throwing uh, javelins at each other. <laughs> and the same thing is true when you dream my image. That it's always interesting information. And ultimately, we both know that if we dream each other's images, it's mm-hmm. about the part of ourselves that's right. still easier to see in the other one than take conscious responsibility right. for ourselves. Although, after 45 years, it's been clear that there is some level of dreaming that I don't fully understand where you are actually dreaming about the other person, mm-hmm. not just a projection. Yes. Right. And that right. gets very murky and is an interesting new ground to, to yeah. explore. Uh, ah. Yeah, is there any way to to uh, discern between the two or I mean how do you how do you say, okay, or, or is it another level in the dream? Okay, this is a level of this dream about my husband Jeremy that is my projection. Uh, and this is a level with which I'm actually dreaming something pertaining to the, the person. The only way I've had to figure it out is I generally know for sure when I'm projecting. So in when in it's what projection, it's it's obvious because you 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 were saying that you recognize when you're projecting. Most of the time, yes, because it'll it'll. I guess it's because it will be around an issue that we have touched on some in some form in the past. Uh-huh. So my guess would be that if I project it then, I'm continuing to project about that uh-huh. subject now. Sometimes it's completely off the wall and Jeremy is doing something in the dream that I don't understand at all. Uh-huh. It seems very Jeremy-ish. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I have, I'm less sure then. Uh-huh. I always look at it from the point of view of, of in what way am I Jeremy in this dream. Yeah. But if I get a blank, after this many years of doing dream work, if I get a blank at that point, yeah. it's either coming from such a deep unconscious place or such a shadowy place, uh-huh. or it's this other category yeah. where some, I don't even know what language to use, some part of my being is seeing clearly mm-hmm. yes. for a change. Yeah. I don't. I, I hesitate some, to even say this because it, I wonder if it can even be true. But yeah. well, and for some specific purpose, perhaps. I mean, does it does it feel like I get these glimpses of this other way of having Jeremy in my dreams because something, you know, in the because something is going on that I need to know, or well, it kind or, of gets into the borderlands of psychic stuff. I yeah. think. I mean, I I don't really like to go there, but I wonder if it isn't. And if I'm not... Yeah, Yeah, and if I may be allowed to project, (laughs) my perception of Kathy is that she is a gifted psychic and that you get information through non-physical temporal channels on a fairly regular basis. The most dramatic example being when Greg was anonymously in the hospital. Our old friend Greg mm-hmm. ended up as a charity case in uh, San Francisco General, mm-hmm. having been beaten and left for dead mm-hmm. with no ID. Gosh! And the moment that happened, we had hadn't had any contact with him for a couple of years at that point. I think 
literally the day he shows up, Kathy starts dreaming about him. Mm -hmm. And in the first dream, she's wandering down a dark alleyway and finds him all beaten and bloody, lying against, leaning against a wall. Mm -hmm. And in the dream, the ego Kathy figure says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm turning my pain into art. <laughs> and then he would just continue to show up practically yeah. every day to the point where we said, this is not just projection uh -huh. about creative animus figure right. projections onto Greg, which are there. Right. I mean, it isn't like any of this. It's never not there. Yeah, it's, it's like right. any of this is separate from that. that. Right. But beyond... You know, he was, and with any luck, still is, a really emotionally irresponsible, brilliant poet. Yeah. And so it's very easy for both of us to project onto him the irresponsible side of art. Yeah. My my art is more important than my intimate relationships with anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, if I get an idea, fuck everybody else. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then in addition to all, I think that's part of the mm -hmm. response the I'm turning my pain into art piece uh -huh. marks him if it were my dream I mean I'm projecting on mm -hmm. Kat's dream now right. if it were my dream that would mark the level there is a level here where this isn't Greg at all this is the creative animus the creative masculine consort in me that's capable of ruining my life right. if I let him sit behind the wheel Right. He will drive us into the ditch mm -hmm. and write a great poem about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's this persistent business of his showing up until finally the hospital identified him and called his brother down in L.A. And his brother called us and uh -huh. said he's been in a coma in the hospital for about a month it was, I guess. And I'm jumping in the car and driving up now, and I'll meet you at the hospital. So yeah. we met him at the hospital. And for that whole time that Greg was in the hospital, Kath, yeah. you were dreaming about him. And he was found in an alley, having been pushed out of a multi-third-story window or something. Oh, my God. After being beaten. And then yeah. was wow. found in the alleyway. Yeah. And so, so it's very hard... Yeah to say, well, there wasn't any psychic connection in that dream. Right. But it's also very hard to say, well, that dream was just mm -hmm. psychic awareness of Greg because it wasn't just any of those That's things. right. It was both of those. And who knows what else more. That's yeah. just the stuff that we have right. easy language to talk about. Right. And what I meant by saying that my lifetime companion mm -hmm. is particularly gifted is that that's just one of the most dramatic and easy examples right. to talk about. I have a sense that this sort of extended field of awareness beyond materialist clue, beyond materialist yeah. information surrounds my partner all the time and because we've been everybody all the time. Yeah, right. yeah. I just I don't have the same sort of data about everybody that I have yeah. about you. Because we share our dreams together uh -huh. every day. Right. So 
yeah, I have some of that myself, but not, it seems to me, to the extent that Kath does, but at the same time, it's way easier for me to project my psychic gifts onto Kath sure. than take full responsibility for them myself, because well, she's got industrial size hooks to hang on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does bring up a, a question that I wanted to ask you about. You've, you've actually worked with couples and those couples sharing their dreams together. I've had experience of, of, of talking with couples in which one person basically says, I don't dream or I never remember my dreams, and the other person in the couple is dreaming constantly. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if there's a sort of a compensatory, not just a projective function, but a compensatory mm -hmm. function in dreaming as a couple. If it's like, you know, I, I never get mad and my partner always gets mad, so he gets to carry the, the anger part, you know, mm -hmm. that I... So do you think, do you see that playing out in couples as well? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty Absolutely. major way, too. <laughs> really, with, yeah. with dreams. And confirmed, yeah. we can see it just in the waking interactions. And then, from my perspective anyway, I think it's fair to say from yours also, the dreams confirm it. Uh -huh. The dreams go, mm -hmm. yeah, that's right, this is what's going on here. You've made it's, some sort of an unconscious deal yeah. to carry this stuff for each other. Yeah. And it, things change when it gets identified. It's really a, a major event in couples' work, really, in my experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When each one sees that the other is carrying something. Right. And that they want to take it back. And one of the ways that the desire to take it back manifests, at least in my own dreams, is that I'll be in some desperate situation and I'll be like, Jeremy, come and help me, come and help me. And he won't be there. Or he'll come in and he'll just, you know. Not see any problem. And this is a dream. Yes. Yes. These are, these are dreams. Yes. I hasten to add. Yes. But I, I know when I get a dream yes. like that, that uh, I don't get angry at him for not. I don't uh, imply to him that he isn't there for me in waking life. Yeah. It means it's my work to do, and uh -huh. I can't let him carry it anymore. Uh, and okay. he's cooperating in the dream world. His image is saying, I don't see a problem, or I have or, to go to the bathroom here, now. I'm or here, but I'm not going to do this. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it it's extremely liberating to me to identify uh -huh. what it is I let him carry. Right. And of course I'd love to be oblivious to that a lot of the time and just let life sail on with Jeremy being Mr. Golden Tongue and stuff. Yes. <laughs> to mention one. Yes, right, right. With the answer for everything. Yeah. Yes. Always. I was going to tell you another example nice. of the, a couple's example of yeah. this kind of knowingness that doesn't seem to be projection exclusively, clearly, mm -hmm. exclusively which is when uh, we were first together, oh, the first year or so, Jeremy's wandering eye wandered to another woman while he was on a trip. And I was at home, and we were living together at that point, mm -hmm. and I had this vivid dream. I was standing at the end of a bed in which was Jeremy and this woman I have never seen in my life. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, you can fill in the rest. And when he got home, I said, were you with a woman who looked like da-da-da-da-da in a room that looked like that? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly, exactly right. Yeah. what the situation was. Yeah. And, uh, hey, you know, I... Yes, I'm projecting, but what else is happening yeah. here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the level of detail was...
was mm -hmm. jaw-dropping. Yeah. And my initial little boy reaction was, holy shit, <laughs> mommy sees everything. <laughs> she really is omniscient. She really is omniscient and has eyes in the back of her head. I better be really good. <laughs> And then a more adult aspect of my psyche said, man, she must really love me to pay this kind of attention. Uh, right. And in the long run, that was a much more important understanding uh, of this event. Yeah. And to be fair, we had verbally at least uh, an open relationship at this yeah. point. It, thoughts, it was all... <laughs> Well, no, it was it was verbally it was a verbal agreement. Yeah. But the unconscious basis of the verbal agreement had to do with the part that I violated with not doing open relationship casually. Yeah. That if it was going to be open, there would have to be something really serious to make that worth doing mm -hmm. and that we would talk about it. Mhm. Mm and uh this relationship. We certainly wound up talking about it. Yeah, well, but after the fact, this this relationship did not meet the unspoken criteria yeah. for the open relationship, right. and I realized that when the dream was shared, right. and I realized, damn, you know, I could always say, well, we had this agreement. What's your problem? Right. But a much deeper part of me understood, yeah, some some part of me understood that was what the, we hadn't yeah. actually articulated it. Right. But I knew that was what was going on. And I pretended I didn't know it. Uh -huh. and it became an incredibly useful tool. It's incredibly it useful. Mm -hmm. And it's things like that that have led us, I think it's fair to say, from time to time to look at each other and go, you know, if we hadn't been sharing dreams with one another right. on this regular basis, we might not even be together at this point. Yeah. Without it, there... Well, I just can't imagine anymore. I wish I could, but I can't imagine what relationship can be like without that intimate level of yeah. communication with each other. Yeah. Is it all, you know, what did you read today and what happened at work? And, and even what did you read today? That's a step above yeah. Yeah. a lot of what other Rather folk than, do. You know, what is your heart's desire? And mm -hmm. what are you learning and growing about inside you? And, mm -hmm. and how just exactly do you see me today? <laughs> well, and I think it has something to do with what you understand a relationship to be or its potential to be. Mm -hmm. If you are able to actually be loved yeah. and let yourself really love another person there's sort of an infinite road ahead of you you know if you have if there's boundaries on what you can feel then okay well yeah. what did you read today you know not that that doesn't well it's anyway. interesting that that was the spontaneous example because mm -hmm. in terms of telepathy we constantly cross dream what the other right. one is reading oh really especially when we're reading great. at night before we go to sleep yeah yeah, and there won't be any <laughs> conscious knowledge, but details from what the other one is reading will show up. Oh, how interesting. Jeremy was reading a lot of elephant myths yep. for a while, mm -hmm. and I didn't know what he was reading. And no. We were just going to sleep, and I kept dreaming about elephants. <laughs> Out of the blue, they're thundering through. They're doing things, talking you know, to me. If you ever wanted to go back to school for a degree, I'm just saying you wouldn't even have to read this stuff. Just key into a class. Yeah, maybe. Right. I don't. I wish. Really. Yeah. <laughs>
But <laughs> see, I couldn't just be any classmate. Yeah, that's true. That's <laughs> right. True. Would have to be a classmate who really was a contender. Who really was a contender. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. Interesting way to put it. Well, so that I mean, that's interesting. Then, so there's a, a a way at which your just empathy and long years of intimacy has created this sort of open conduit. There's there's an open channel there. There's a channel that's always open no matter what, and sometimes it picks up what I'm reading that night, or sometimes it it has more to do with where I'm where I am when I'm away. Or, various things. I mean, mm-hmm. is that a fair way to describe it, maybe? Yeah, or? Yeah, I think Except so. for the implication that we always know what's going on, you know, right. which we don't. Right. Yeah, Sometimes it's very murky. murky. Mm-hmm. And it isn't always. But I think there's a channel open. Speaking for myself, I think mm-hmm. there's always a channel open to him. Mm-hmm. There's always one open to my daughter. Right. Mm-hmm. And right. I'm sure there are more experienced, skilled people who know how to close that down and... Yeah. Or, or whatever, but I don't seem to be able to do it, or I'm not interested in learning how to do it. I think it's maybe more accurate, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. It hasn't caused enough trouble in my life to right. make me want to change it. To or to make me want to stop. Right. Yeah. You're listening to Dream Talk Radio. I'm talking with Jeremy and Kathy Taylor, fabulous dream workers and really interesting people. And you can uh, learn more about Jeremy and Kathy at jeremytaylor.com. There's various books, which maybe we'll talk about later, but um, it's really interesting to talk about the, the sort of couple dynamics in dreams, and it leads me to one of the main questions that I had to ask you, which is, what if you're in relationship with one person and the, the old high school boyfriend crops up and, you know, won't go away? <laughs> the old high school boyfriend or the old college or the, the ex-fiance, you know, that whole, what is that about? And you're talking about showing up in the dream. In the dream, yes, not at the door. In the dream. Although the one may presage the other. Do you want to say something about that? No, I need to think of that. Okay. Okay. It's as you know, it's a very frequent form. Yeah. And most of what I know about dreams comes from noticing a frequent form. And exploring around in it with the person who ha- who is expressing their own unique example of that, mm-hmm. and remembering what sort of ahas they had, yeah. and then doing it again, and noticing eventually over time that there are patterns to the ahas that people have. That's essentially everything I know. Pretty much comes from that. Mm-hmm. So, with that background, the thing that has made the most sense to me and the dreamers that I have worked with who've had their own unique versions of this is that once again a very important level of it has to do with projection that the old lover whether we actually got to the stage of being physical Mm -hmm. lovers or not the old boyfriend the old fiance the old whatever was a recipient of very high level positive projections if I am a heterosexual man, it was a projection of my feminine consort energies that were easier to see in waking life in this person. If the roles are reversed, if I'm a heterosexual woman, 
then it was easier for me to see my male consort energies in my actual boyfriend, in my actual fiance, than to recognize them as parts of my own being and take responsibility for them. Mm -hmm. So when that figure comes back, particularly if I'm in relationship, committed kind of relationship, and the person with whom I'm in committed relationship is not also in the dream, it tends to be a warning. I think it's fair to say, that's sort of a dire word, but I think it's fair to say that whatever projections are fueling my current relationship, they are far enough away from this ideal projection that I had that unless I deal with the issue of projection, my current relationship isn't going to work. Uh-huh. Because the current person I'm projecting on does not fit the silhouette outline of the, you would call them animus and anima, not my mm-hmm. favorite terms, but we, right. you know, that's the easiest way to They're talk about it. They're workable terms. They're workable terms, yeah. yeah. Uh, that whoever it is I'm in relationship with now and I suddenly start dreaming about my ex. Yeah. One of the things that happens inevitably is that I compare my feelings and my understandings about my ex with my current partner right. when I wake up. And then in some sense, that's exactly what the dream wants me to do. Only the dream doesn't want me to make these external comparisons. The dream wants me to realize that the feelings I had about my ex were actually reflections about my feelings about these parts of myself. Mm-hmm. And the good news could be that this person that I'm in relationship with does not reflect this aspect of myself sufficiently for that to be the main glue that binds us together. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity to go, oh, my ex-boyfriend really in this dream isn't my ex-boyfriend. It's the ideal man in me. Mm And if I can take responsibility for it and go, okay, I've got to be the ideal man in me if I want this relationship with Mm -hmm. this other waking life actual breathing man to work now not very many dreamers do that on their own it's another one of the great advantages of couples dream work is that i've had dreamers have enough ah ahas off that idea that whenever it comes up i am inclined to make that suggestion and say well i imagine this dream for myself and this is what it looks like to me and the likelihood that the dreamer will have an aha about that is very high. Mm-hmm. And as Kath was saying, once that material gets conscious, then it is much less likely that I will be driven by it without knowing. Having a whole bunch of feelings that I don't understand where they're right. coming from. A whole right. bunch of ideas about what to do that... I look at them rationally and I go, this doesn't make any sense, but I still want to do them anyway. All of that kind of stuff is a waking life marker. They are waking life Mm -hmm. markers for projection. Mm -hmm. And a dream like this is a little flashing light about projection. Mm -hmm. And if I can take responsibility, if I can realize, oh, all those feelings, one of the reasons we're X, one of the reasons we're not still together is that he, she wasn't like that, didn't match this ideal that I have inside me. And nobody's going to match it except me. 
Anytime I project it on somebody else, there will be enough differences that I'm going to be disappointed mm -hmm. at what I'm looking for is an exact correspondence to this unconscious interior figure. But if I can own it and take responsibility for it, suddenly the possibilities of genuine relationship with other people expand radically. So in some ways, then, what I'm hearing you say is that if you are in a relationship and you dream of the ex, you know, whatever... Right. In some ways, that could be, oh, right, there was this unfinished business. I ended this acrimoniously, and I actually need to... I, this is an opportunity to sort of close out the accounts yes, on that. Exactly um, so. Well, I guess I would add another little yes. piece to that, which which is that um, I, what I, another thing I'm dreaming about is who I was uh -huh. in relationship to that right. person. And there's some unfinished business of, in my own growth right. about who I was at that point. For example, when I dream, I have dreamed in the past a lot about some poets that I, yeah. not just Greg, but others. It's Kath has a thing for poets. It isn't just the. It isn't just me wanting to to, to develop the side of myself that has to do with uh, articulating things yes. verbally. It, it's something to do with a creative energy that was stimulated in me by being around these people uh -huh. who, whom I had bright projections on that were so extreme uh -huh. that I thought I was falling in love with them. Yeah. I thought they were falling in love with me. I loved, I loved the idea of being a creative person and I was not expressing mm -hmm. my creativity in any form mm -hmm. at that point. Well, I was, but that's a long story. You yeah. know, it wasn't adequate. For, for what I, I wasn't giving myself moment. enough credit. And when they pop up in my dreams as a mature woman, mm -hmm. I always look there first. What's yeah. happening in my creative life right. slash spiritual life? Because uh -huh. the two are just one for me right. in my understanding of myself at this point. Right. So it's not different, yeah. really, from what you're saying. It's just a kind of addition to right. that. Yeah. So it's sort of uh, dreaming of the ex as those... Uh, as a sort of the creative side, where where was I projecting onto this person that I actually need to own in myself? Is yeah, it? what was I asking them to carry? To yeah. carry, Apropos right. what we talked about before. Right. Um, that I was at the time uh, unable to even I vaguely identify in myself. Yeah. yeah. It just seemed, oh, he's such a good poet. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he makes me feel sort of this way, you know, when I read. He's probably really irresponsible in relationships. <laughs> I'll take him. <laughs> and a lot of people you're, act you're, on it. You're, you're leaving out the key archetypal piece. Maybe I could change it. Oh, God. <laughs> right. right, and how many relationship problems have you grown know, out of that one? If there is complex. one thing that this radio program could do, <laughs> if we could just like save. Stop, <laughs> save one person from the maybe I can change yep. him or her yeah. meme, yep. This is Dream Talk Radio. Incidentally, I'm Ann Hill, your host, talking with Jeremy and Kathy Taylor about couples and dreaming and all sorts of related tangents, this rich ground. It, the, what you were saying, Kathy, reminded me of a dream I heard several years ago from a woman who was getting into what seemed like could be a really serious relationship after all of these tragic false starts and betrayals and so on and so forth. And she had this dream. I can't remember the details of the dream, but the main action was there was this, she was with this guy and they were just in this really nice space together. And this 
sort of a vamp of a girlfriend comes by and just sort of like, you know, <laughs> has this little finger beckoning thing and the guy goes off. And so in the dream, uh, the, the, dream, the dreamer gets enraged and actually gets the girlfriend figure and drowns her. Yay! <laughs> Bravo! And, and I, you know, I don't remember the details of the dream work even, yeah. but I do remember having an aha for myself about the roles that we play. Yeah. And that if this were my dream, I was actually, I needed to not be the girlfriend anymore. I needed to be this totally different, different type of partner. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it just I need to say for my own purposes at this point that any time death appears in a dream, and particularly if the dream ego kills somebody, one of the reasons I cheered is that in my experience, it is the most reliable. It's not the only, but it is the most reliable indicator of profound psychospiritual growth and change in the dreamer. Even if I'm just observing death from afar, or it passes like a rumor through my dream. Mm -hmm. I read a newspaper over somebody's shoulder and they're reading the obituary column. Right. Just a little. Whenever death appears named or nameable mm -hmm. in the dreamer's narrative, it's a very reliable indication that somewhere close to the center of this dream is a celebration of profound change. Mm -hmm. And if it has to do with a history of betrayal and my intervening somehow in the history of betrayal, carrying it out again and killing somebody, mm -hmm. the, the symbolic news is wonderful. And it points to the biggest problem in this work. Mistaken literalism mm -hmm. is the greatest problem bar none in doing this work. There are people who will have dreams like that. Mm -hmm. And who will take them literally? Like, I need to... I need to go out and kill the woman uh -huh. who is trying to seduce my lover away from me. Or maybe a less um, violent literalism, which is that I'm a bad person for killing this person yeah, in my dream. Yeah, yeah. And that sense of guilt and yep. how can I... That's oh right. my God, there's something desperately wrong with this yep. relationship. What yep. am I dreaming about this for? Yep. Exactly so. Which is not really understanding the paradoxical nature of death in dreams. Or understanding the basic symbolic nature of dreaming. That even if there is a literal level, it would be so much easier if we could say there are no literal meanings in dreams. Don't be literal. But we can't say that, honestly. Occasionally there are literal levels that really need to have attention paid to them. And my experience is that even when that's true, it is the symbolic levels, like in this example that yeah. you're using, the symbolic level of killing off the vamp in me right. is probably what I need to do to become mature enough to actually hold up my half of the sky mm -hmm. in, a, in a mature relationship. Mm -hmm. I've got to change this part of myself. Right. I've got to withdraw life energy from it so radically that the symbol is murder. Yeah. No more life energy in this because I've decided it. Right. Dream ego me has said enough. Mm -hmm. So I would never advocate sneaking around and killing your love rivals in the waking world. <laughs> but in the dream world, I think it's a marvelous event. Yeah.
and not an appropriate cause for the kind of guilt and shame that you're describing. That that's another example of the pitfall of mistaken literalism. Mm -hmm. Kathy, did you have something to add? I was just imagining my way through that and thinking, boy, if you have a partner who doesn't understand how dreams work, how confusing a situation would that be? You dreamed what, you know, that you wanted to kill a girlfriend of mine? What kind of person are you? Uh, and um, there, there. How well it raises the question of how do you get the other get the other partner to acknowledge the importance of this kind of symbolic mm. work? Mm-hmm. You know, you've probably done more of that than anybody oh, has. And talk about archetypal I dramas. I only talk to people once they've already decided that they're both both going to yeah. deal at this level, but. Well, it's, I'm reminded of my friend who's a rabbi who talks about people uh, officiating or helping people in interfaith marriages, that it can't really work, or it's most difficult to work if there's two very strong faith beliefs that are yeah. different from each other. And it seems similar to if yeah. one person just thinks dreams mm-hmm. are bunk mm-hmm. and the other person is just completely into it, that seems more difficult than... A person, one person can just sort of go along, well, you know, my partner yeah. dreams a lot, and that's just fine. I don't understand it, but whatever. Well, it's just an entirely different way of looking at the world yeah. if you don't yeah. understand projection, if you don't understand symbolic activities. Right. If everything is right. If you don't understand dreams as carriers of significant meaning, yeah. as signal instead of noise. Right. And... Joseph Natterson, one of the premier dream researchers of the 20th century, retired in the year 2000. He thought it was a good moment. And in his big retirement speech, he said, if the 20th century has done anything, it has demonstrated that the dream is primarily signal and not noise. Uh Now, his colleagues were a little annoyed at him saying that. Because many of them still believe that's the issue. That's right. the thing that we're still debating. Is this just the epiphenomena of disturbed metabolism? Mm-hmm. Or is there consistent meaning? It's just right. amazing to me that they're still arguing. They're still point. arguing that. But, you know, they've, they've got criteria of evidence that are they're just irrelevant, ultimately, to the question of the meaning of dreams. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. is not a measurable item. Mm-hmm. And if the only thing you're going to take seriously is stuff that you can measure, then of course it's going to look meaningless. So it's sort of like you get what you pay for. Exactly. In that yeah. If that's what, if yeah. that's the the limit of what you think is going on in dreams, yeah. that's what you'll see. That's what you'll see. There's a wonderful Sufi story about the incomparable Mullah Nasruddin, and one day he's walking around out in the street, looking in the dust with great intensity. And his neighbors come out and go, "Oh." incomparable mullah what's the problem he says i lost my ring i've lost my gold ring so they all start helping him look and they wander around and nothing showing up and one of the neighbors finally occurs to him to say oh incomparable mullah when is the last time you remember having the ring on your finger and he says oh last time i remember having it on my finger i was back in the stable shoveling shit (laughs) and the neighbors go well don't you think we ought to go back there to look and he goes no 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 the light's much better for looking (laughs) here." 
And that's, I believe that's what most of my laboratory colleagues are saying. They're saying the light's much better for looking at it. Kelly Bolke said the exact same thing in terms of dream research going yeah. on right now. And yeah. I have it on tape, so yep. I'm yep. not giving yep. him away. Yeah. And it's frustrating. Uh-huh. It's frustrating to deal with folks yeah. like that. Well, so go ahead. I, was, I was just remembering back to when we did not have this language. Yeah. And where, when did we find this language? Yeah. And I was remembering driving across country yeah, to come to out Oakland, here. finally leaving the east, the dust of the east behind forever, and crossing the Mississippi River. And we had been fighting and arguing, I think, the entire trip, as was our want at the early mm-hmm. stages right. of the relationship, because we had such completely different language. Oh. Uh, for understanding the world. Yeah. Everything was so different. We had, had a year or so to try to mesh the language yeah. and it wasn't meshing. But we loved each other. Yeah. We kept yeah. realizing that fighting with each other was more interesting than not fighting yeah. with anybody else. <laughs> well, my memory is that we crossed the Mississippi River uh-huh. and in desperation, one of us, I don't even remember which now, told the other, I had this dream last night and you were doing the following nasty things. Yeah. <laughs> And meant it as, you know, this is a message to you to shape up. Right. And then the other one said, well, I had a dream too. And my my experience of that moment was, you know, the road to Damascus. Right. right. Ah, if we're both dreaming each other this way, yeah. there's something going on in another level yeah. here that doesn't have just to do with us learning each other's language and getting uh, on with decision-making about whether we cross the Mississippi here or we go there. Oh, because the argument was about language and how can you talk about things in this Well, it was no. about values, primarily. It's usually what it boiled down to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We just had completely different approaches. We had no understanding of projection. Right. At all. The yeah. other one was either right or wrong and usually wrong. Yeah. And it's wouldn't they just get on with it? And, well, you know, that's the way it looked. Yeah. So it was kind of, I, I realized as I think about yeah. it, it was more or less an epiphany yeah. that later got codified into language. Mm-hmm. And, 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 so and it came from, from being in these enclosed quarters. We were actually driving a truck, yeah. a, uh-huh. a, a little uh-huh. panel truck. And mm-hmm. the dreams reflecting each other, uh-huh. coming on the same night, uh-huh. and reflecting each other in these poetic, symbolic ways that we both recognized when we heard them yeah. in the other's dream. Right. And suddenly there was this understanding that we were having this relationship in the dream world mm-hmm. that was somehow a symbolic picture of the relationship we were having in the waking mm-hmm. world. And that was enough to begin to understand. To begin to talk about yeah. the dream relationship too. Yep some charge off of, uh-huh. of whatever we were arguing about in the moment right. and just and dreams being as fantastical as they often are speaking for myself it, it allowed me to hop out of the box mm-hmm. and to realize that my imagination could be much more involved in the discussion uh-huh. of whatever the issue was than it had been mm-hmm. I was coming and all intellect. It was yeah. analytical, and yeah, here's I the tended, evidence why I you tended should do to come this. all feeling. Yeah. Uh, Don't bother me with facts. And ne'er the twain <laughs> shall meet. <laughs> but each of the twain was very attractive. To yes, the other. <laughs> really. 
For some odd reason. For some odd reason. <laughs> it's always an odd reason, don't you think? Pretty yeah. much odd is good. Well, in retrospect, it doesn't seem odd at all. <laughs> all our friends thought it was totally weird. Yeah, they just could not understand why we did this. That's the attraction. And how wonderful to be crossing the Mississippi. I mean, the sort of Rubicon yeah. moment. It really <laughs> stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mine too. I have a great fondness for the Mississippi River as a well, consequence. sure, sure. Okay. It just changed everything. Well, yeah, and I mean, not just entering a whole other part of the country. There's another whole other ecosystem yeah, on the continent. Yeah. But really, uh, it's one of those moments of... We didn't know what we didn't know. And now yeah. we understand mm-hmm. we a little bit of what yeah. we don't know. And it becomes, you know, I can be curious about it rather yeah. than completely frustrated. There's a there's Or a completely rigid. Or completely if rigid. If I understand that I don't know, then suddenly my fundamentalist righteousness tends to dissolve. Right. And there's nothing like the dream world. I just wrote a piece about that moment when you wake up. And the dream is there, and it's just incomprehensible. What was that all about? And it occurred to me to say that that may be, I believe personally that it is, the most spontaneously honest and self-aware moment any of us has all day long. (laughs) And what it means is that our actual lives, our actual unconscious motivations, Mm -hmm. The actual reasons why we're doing things are just as obscure and mysterious to us as the dream appears to be in that moment. (laughs) And we are blessed with this view of ourselves every day if we care to look. As I've said on other occasions, I don't know if you've heard me say it, that, that one of the best metaphors of dreaming out of the world of folklore is the magic mirror that never lies. And it's by far not an accident, in my view, that Snow White looks into the... Or the the Wicked Queen in Snow White looks into the magic mirror that never lies every morning. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't look in the morning, it tends to cloud over and not show you anything. (laughs) And being the inevitably egocentric species that we are, whenever we look into the magic mirror that never lies, we are always asking some version of the question, am I the fairest in the land? Mm -hmm. And because of the inevitably egocentric species that we are, we're always getting some version of the answer, no. Right. And we can either turn away from that in horror or use it as a, 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 a piece of evidence born of projection that I should kill Snow White. We were actually just talking about a killing Snow White dream. If you wanted to talk about it in archetypal terms, Mm -hmm. I can mistakenly literalize it and go, well, my dreams are telling me to kill this person. Or I can go, wow, there must be some way for me to move more into the direction of being the fairest in the land. I wouldn't have remembered this unless there was some gift in here to actually feel better about that inevitable mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I have to recognize first off that it's a mirror that I'm looking at and not a window. Yes, right. Projection is like mistaking a mirror for a window. Yes. And when two people understand that, 
and begin to share dreams with one another on a regular mm -hmm. basis every morning because that's the easiest time to do it, right. the relationship itself deepens yeah. and expands and becomes much less rigid and fundamental. And we can pick up unhappinesses and frustrations in the partner that the partner, him or herself, may not even be aware of at that mm -hmm. moment and realize, oh, this is, you know, we don't do something about this. This is a potential deal breaker. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, thank you, dreams. Right. <laughs> I didn't even know this was a problem. Yikes. Kathy, you have that look on your face like there's an addendum. Oh, no, no, I was just actually agreeing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Gosh, he's so articulate. <laughs> what a poet. <laughs> oh, I've been playing um, off that one for 40 years. You can take that one to the bank. I take this one to the You're bank. You're quite a considerable poet yourself. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I say again, it takes one to know one. <laughs> And my frustration has to do with knowing that and enticing my partner to sing. To sing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things, I, I, we're kind of getting to the top of the hour here, but one other point I wanted to address was just the, the idea of the longevity of the dream sharing. It seems to me that what you guys have is what really is kind of the gem of a long-term relationship, which is that you have somebody that remembers that dream from 1982 that you cannot remember at all, but in telling a dream this morning, suddenly that little image from that dream, and you're able to sort of connect the dots mm. in this way that you really can't do with somebody that you just, you know, some random dream worker you met on the street corner or something. Yeah. You know, there is that very well, precious... Well, there are the psychically gifted random dream sure. workers that you meet on the street. <laughs> I believe I'm talking to at least two of them here at this point. <laughs> I really do love that side of it, just yeah. having that history of dream yeah. symbols and the evolution of yeah. dream symbols. The evolution of dream symbols. One that I think of immediately is the, the, the berserker. Yeah. Where way back in, in uh, our relationship, there was a shadow figure who just clubbed everything in sight and knocked down trees and growled and was bestial and horrible and awful and very scary to mm -hmm. my partner and to me. Mm -hmm. And over the years became a, kind of a gun-toting motorcycle guy. <laughs> no, no, just go ahead. Gun-toting motorcycle guys mm -hmm. and then motorcycle guys who didn't have guns. But still fierce. But still very fierce, maybe with their Nazi symbols on and right. stuff like that. Right. And, and I mean just, I mean tattooed on them. Tattooed. Well, to make a long story short, it kept changing over 45 uh -huh. years. Wow. And occasionally they can appear now in clown suits or <laughs> just... Uh, or really cleaned up and dressed to the nines. Dressed That's to the a nines, right. That's and, I, right. and I recognize them. I wouldn't uh, know them otherwise. They have uh, just faint touches of the, of the uh, berserker guys still, uh, uh, but not much. And I have just loved following that That's very nice. <laughs> development through mm -hmm. all of these dreams. And because I have the history... I can spot the characters yes. in the dream right. more quickly and often say, more quickly than I can myself. Uh -huh. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, could it be that this is an incarnation of? Right. And what does that say about now? And I never noticed I'd grown in that way. And what is it that I've grown about? 
and, and likewise you do it. Yeah, let me just add another theoretical mm -hmm. piece to that. The evolution of these figures that Kathy's talking about is very, very vivid for me. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's vivid about it is that these are also connectable to deaths in the dream world. Uh. That each one of these is a reborn character out of the death of the one that preceded it. So, because, so say more. What do you mean the death? Literal death in the dream? in the dream world. Ah. That this that these this transformation of oh, okay. the shadow berserker yeah. has over the years, where the figure itself has changed, uh -huh. included any number of death scenes. Okay. And some of them filled with terror, very violent, yeah. uh, nasty, nightmarish situations. Mm -hmm. And it is living proof, as far as I'm concerned, since I've seen this happen not only in my dreams and not only in Kathy's dreams, but countless dreams of clients, yeah. that the pres the the indestructibility of energy is the same in the dream world as it is in the waking world. Energy itself cannot be created or destroyed. All that can happen is for it to transmute forms. Mm -hmm. So that whenever anybody dies, or since everything in the dream world is alive, even if it looks inanimate, if a thing is destroyed, one of the ways of understanding that moment is that the energy that constellated itself up in the form of that thing is liberated from the obligation of appearing in that form. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, that, if the physical form is destroyed, if the life energy is withdrawn through murder even, what happens is that energy is released and free to constellate up naturally into a new form that is exactly right for the new environment. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, that form will become a prison also. Right. The environment will change and the form will stay. And that form has to die. Mm -hmm. And that each time there is a death or a destructive act in the dream world, one of the ways I think of legitimately and reasonably thinking about it is that it is a moment where I am symbolically looking at the release of energy from the prison of form. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the inevitable next step is for the energy to take form again in a new, evolved right. fashion. You know, I don't know that it's true in quotes, but I believe at the moment that the more because we've done this kind of talking with each other about shadow figures, particularly for so yeah. long, Decades. that the nature of a nightmare that each mm. of us has has begun to change right. and is is no I wouldn't want to say that we never have classic nightmares. Yeah. But we certainly have way fewer of them than we did when we were mm -hmm. younger. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like there's a shortening of time, a shorthand that's going on yeah. that says, Oh yeah, yeah. Twenty years ago that would have been a full blown you know, oh. murder mm -hmm. mayhem. Right now all I need Bury to the do body is, to, in the basement. is, is mm -hmm. to tip over a teacup and it's the same thing. Uh-huh. Right. And it's I've noticed it a lot in my in mm -hmm. my world of dreaming mm -hmm. and in yours. Yep. And think, Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It becomes a sort of a shorthand. Mm -hmm. yeah, With this one sort of little little movement, I uh, can summon this whole history yeah. Yeah. of that same feeling tone yeah. happening mm -hmm. in different ways. 
but only because of paying so much but attention for so long. If I if it was simply repressed, it wouldn't have worked. Right. It doesn't work. It would right. still be a horror show every time it happened. Every time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not. One can say the simple thing one can say yeah. with confidence is it's not. It's not the horror show right. that it was to begin with. And I think I'm trying to think now. Well, when have I had a nightmare fairly recently? And what was it about? And it it would have been a in my memory, it was about stuff that was completely new inside me ah, mm -hmm. uh -huh. that I had no signposts for uh -huh, and right. no experience yep. of sharing. Um, I can't remember a specific yeah, example. Well, of again, one of the archetypal symbolic markers for that is things that happen in the dark. Yes. The, the light of consciousness right. has not yet been shed on it. Mm -hmm. And I think it is one of the reasons for the universal human anxiety about darkness. Mm -hmm. It isn't just that we can't see as clearly and are more vulnerable to attack. It's that symbolically we are entering this realm where the light mm -hmm. of our consciousness has not, fell, has not fallen. Mm -hmm. and, and no therapist and no partner has shown the light there yep, either. Yep. Yet. yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. It reminds and, me of training uh, martial arts because you start with making these big movements and left foot goes here, right arm does this, and then eventually it becomes refined over many years of paying attention mm -hmm. to that, into this, I can just turn my wrist. Mm -hmm. But it's like I all oh. of that body memory is just, it's all in that little wrist. Yeah. More well, that sounds that. more like Aikido than Kung Fu. Well. <laughs> yes. Yes. In the Aikido tradition, that's absolutely That is absolutely true. right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for uh, opening your home and um, welcoming this, this uh, New Year's conversation about dreams and relationships. And really, I guess the... My final thought, and maybe you each have something to say, is that dreaming is a relationship. Just the, the act of dreaming puts us in relationship to so many moving parts in the universe, both within and without ourselves, that it's really, it's lovely to spend some time on just this one aspect of two people being in relationship together, along with all of their dreams. And... Uh, well, it's interesting that you can apply the principles to waking life yes, and change how you relate to the stimulus in your environment and other people. Or by, even just the news. By just thinking of it as if, if this were a dream, it would be what, symbolically? Right. right. For me, how would I feel? What does that mean yes. about who I am right. as I relate? Um, I can't... <laughs> So many times people we've worked dreams with have said, you know, I take it out into life and I and I say if this were a dream or mm -hmm. I say uh, uh, if I were the newsman reporting this, what would I feel? Yes. And it just tremendously enriches yes. your ability to understand the, the world at a symbolic level. If this were a dream and it is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. That's the parenthetical <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah. Right. And it becomes... I found it very useful recently when I've been teaching to make the point that this life is but a dream stuff isn't just a poetic convention. Mm -hmm. And the thing that makes it not just a poetic convention is projection. Mm -hmm. The dream that we remember from sleep is at one important level encountering aspects of our own being in projected form so that in the dream it looks like not me. Mm -hmm. 
looks like there's me and there's all this stuff that isn't me, but in fact, at some level, everything in there is me. Right. Waking life is constructed in exactly the same fashion. That all this stuff that I encounter is not objective reality. It's all filtered through my history, what I'm prepared to see, what I'm prepared to feel, and becomes just as much a tissue of projection as the dream is. Mm -hmm. So if you want to say dreaming is what happens when we project unconsciously, which is certainly true, then that is as true of our waking lives as it is of our sleeping lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The understanding dreams more clearly is the way to understand right. waking life That's more right. clearly. Absolutely. And it's not just some airy-fairy thought. It has to do particularly with this universal function yes. of unconscious projection. You have been listening to Dream Talk Radio, and uh, this has been Jeremy Taylor and Kathy Taylor. You can find out more about uh, books, comics, amazing things at jeremytaylor.com, and I will put links up when I put up the podcast. So thank you both very much. Thank you. That ends this week's Dream Talk Radio Show podcast. Thanks for listening, and remember to tune in every Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. at www.kows.fm. This is Ann Hill, and I'll see you again next week.